0: On Behalf of Themselves by Mary Lou Jones Today she trades one kind of stress for another. Has he fallen asleep? Silence is unusual while navigating the meandering road cutting through the pastoral countryside on the way to his elementary school. Ahead a doe hurtles one barbed wire fence after another with Olympian gracefulness then disappears into the deep ethereal morning mist. "'Messel car!' he shouts, halting her mental inventory of the day's agenda. His index finger trails the passing orange Dodge Challenger. Through her rearview mirror, she glances at his happy face and smiles at his impish antics. Traffic multiplies as she nears town. "'There! Messel car!' "'That's a Firebird, not a Camaro!' she protests." He pumps his fist in the air and cheers, my game, my rules, 2-zip. Her jeep stops in front of the nondescript brick building while he is still explaining the nuances of the deltoid friendlier version of his modified slug bug game. He jumps from the back seat and opens the passenger door, grabbing his backpack and Doctor Who lunchbox. After slyly scanning his periphery, he leans in and kisses her on the cheek. Love you, Mom. Love you, Ben. See you tonight. Westward bound, the morning sunlight seeps in through the back window. The glint from a pearlescent Carmex jar lying in the empty seat catches her eye. She unscrews the lid and swirls her pinky over the surface of the goo with a familiar scent. The olfactory sense, closely entwined with memory, dominates. Uninvited images flash of her catastrophically injured husband lying in the ICU while she tends to grooming details he cannot perform, situating a warm washcloth to soften his whiskers before gingerly dragging a blade over the planes of his foam-covered face, brushing his teeth with the minty hospital-issued paste, circling and circling in sync with the beeps of his heart monitor, ineptly parting and combing his slightly thinning and graying hair positioning his eyeglasses to sit level, dabbing Carmex on his parched lips, dried from the detested oxygen cannula invading his nostrils. The light turns green and she accelerates from the intersection in the slideshow in her mind. Even without her husband's frequent warning, she white knuckles the steering wheel and is vigilant of lane drifters, speed demons, and mobile executives with whom she shares the interstate. It was just such a reckless driver that crashed into her husband and changed their lives forever. Everything, including the health and happiness of her family, now rests on her shoulders where there is no space for another calamity. She is on leave of absence from her position as an English professor at her university and she has closed the real estate business her husband began after retiring from the military. His therapy visits have dwindled and they are acclimating to their new functional life. Still, she is uneasy leaving her husband at home. "'You're sure you don't want me to go with you?' "'I've got this. It'll be a quick hearing, and I don't have to speak to Dexter. A courier is picking up our file.' She smirked, thinking about the derogatory name, short for ambidexter, they used to refer to their lawyer. "'I'll be back in three hours. There's chicken and dumplings in the fridge.' Stooping, she kissed his forehead they locked eyes for a few intense seconds. I've got this, she assured him while stroking his cheek with her thumb. She and Ben gathered their things next to the front door with him rolling behind. Clack! The deadbolt is engaged. It takes an enormous amount of energy to ready her paraplegic husband to leave the house. She is still perfecting her skill of loading him in his wheelchair into their accessible van. Even choosing how to dress him is difficult because of his inability to regulate his body temperature. Restroom facilities are always a consideration. But, she chose to handle this herself because of his disdain for their attorney. He doesn't need any emotional distress. She is careful to include him in important decisions so as to not injure his pride, yet the resultant PTSD has rendered him unable to handle the day-to-day pressures of the lawsuit. Their anger toward their attorney is justified. They communicated their expectations up front. They interviewed several attorneys recommended by associates. Some touted how few of their cases proceed to trial, which was not particularly what they wanted to hear. They found their attorney through a referral service and he came to their house for an interview. He used sympathy and understanding. He praised them for their ability to carry on despite their challenging circumstances. We want policy limits and whatever we can get from the wealthy driver. I rejected a settlement offer from the insurance company while my husband was still hospitalized. Frankly, my priorities at the time were to comfort our son, make sure my husband received the best care possible, and renovate our house to accommodate his wheelchair. I couldn't think settlement." That's understandable. So we expect to come out better with you handling this. The liability here is obvious. You were an able-bodied man earning a living for your family and you have a young child. You have astronomical damages and no amount of money will give you your mobility back. You served your country. You're the perfect sympathetic plaintiff and this plays well to a jury. The defense knows this," he opined, while sitting at their dining room table looking through the meticulous files. We'll demand policy limits plus. He produced a contract and continued, And if that's not forthcoming, I promise I'll take this to trial. Thank you for your service, sir. It'd be an honor to represent you and your wife. She noted the contingent fee agreement contained a disclaimer of any promises, which she found paradoxical as the man just spewed promises like Mentos in a Diet Coke. Did he mean what he just said? With the petition filed, discovery began. We really have to hand over all of our tax returns with schedules and financial statements from the past ten years, she inquired. We're going to produce them rather than going to a hearing," the attorney responded. She eagerly examined the defendant's discovery responses forwarded to them by their attorney. Not in possession of, none exist, privileged, unconstitutional. We'll supplement as documents become available. In other words, when we damn well please. She hastily typed a reply, just finished reading their responses. You aren't going to let them get away with not turning over their stuff, right? He answered, I don't want to go to a hearing over it and risk ticking off the judge. We'll get a lot of info at his depot. Trust me. She came to learn that depot prep for 30 minutes before showtime is woefully inadequate. Be prepared to talk about your sex life. Emphasize how your family life has changed, including the division of labor. Let him finish the question before you answer and don't volunteer anything. Don't be argumentative even if this lawyer is a jerk, which he is. Dress like you are going to work and be prepared to be there all day. Are you kidding me? Was this little talk supposed to allay my fears? She was concerned about being served up like a Costco turdecken, which prompted her to do some research, which is second nature to her. She assembled a fairly extensive dossier on the defense attorney. 41. Northern transplant, Yankee. Irish triplet, weaned too early. Thrice married, poor communicator. No detectable affluence mediocre career, prestigious law school, daddy issues, frequent firm hopper, malcontent, contentious litigations, puppy punter, sanctions, kamikaze tactics. Identifying supposed character defects in her nemesis using innocuous facts empowered her. The room was quiet as the diminutive man with wild curly dark locks who appeared younger than his age scanned his legal pad for his next torpedo. Now, Miss Edwards, you stated that your husband was in a great deal of pain at the time of the accident. How do you know that? Well, let's sever your spinal cord, separate your shoulder, and snap your humerus like a chicken bone and you can see if it's painful because I was on the phone with him while they were extricating him from his car and he told me how badly he was hurting. Okay, but I'm asking you, how do you know? She paused to see if her attorney objects. If I feel pain when I stub my little toe on the coffee table, I can deduce that my husband felt pain when he was maimed. So you can't tell me how you know he was in pain. All right. Now, you've stated that you perform all the household chores, even though your husband had a sedentary job, so you're saying he isn't able to pitch in around the house? What a D-bag! I don't understand your question or what you're implying. Well, it sounds like he could help and that you might be trying to amp up the damages. Is our attorney comatose? do something. She stared directly at the man with the permanent scowl. Let's move on to the frequency of your marital relations prior to the accident. Pop a vessel, please, right here, right now. The following months passed like cold molasses. Phone calls to their attorney were seldom returned. Then out of the blue, they were summoned to his cramped and dated office. I have great news, he gleefully reported. They've offered policy limits. We can have this thing over in a few days and y'all can get on with your lives. What? Uh, What happened to Policy Limits Plus? The driver has money. He may have money that we can't get. This is a great offer. You need to take it we don't know what he has because we have got no financials she interjects look I got this letter from them stating you were less than forthright at your depot they think there's malingering he counters handing her the letter this was written two months ago where's your response I didn't respond I don't do meds slinging whose side are you on you snarky orifice weren't you going to depose my physicians I don't waste my clients' money. Take the offer." I want my doctors deposed and to go to trial, he demanded. The attorney looked at the floor and shook his head. Guys, you're making a mistake here. This is barely more than the offer we got before hiring you. I didn't put my wife through this just to make you money. You work for me and I'm paying you. The attorney snickered quickly and incongruously. She was enraged he scoffed i'm telling you to go home and think long and hard about this on the way home she thought long and hard about his termination letter why would he pull such a 180 on us she asked her husband you don't think a hearing was set on the motion to withdraw which their attorney reluctantly prepared he sent a conciliatory email offering to come to their home and discuss the matter but they were done. We'll be pro se. A former student of mine is an attorney and is offered to help. We can do this, she assured her husband. It beats watching Dexter sit on his hands while we're pureed. The stately judge, with perfectly coiffed salt and pepper hair, peered over the top of her reading glasses. Miss Edwards, do you understand that you will be required to comply with the rules with no consideration given to the fact that you are not an attorney? Yes, ma'am. Okay, motion granted. Good luck to you and your husband. She arrives at the house and checks her inbox. From no reply at efile huh? She opens the document. What the hell is a motion for summary judgment? Mary Lou Jones from Granbury is a registered nurse and attorney who represents the disabled and volunteers with the legal aid of Northwest Texas. She spends a good deal of time consoling her 1L daughter, assuring her this too shall pass.